Good morning. Welcome to Roseville Covenant Church. I'm Chaz Louder. I'm the worship pastor here. We're so thankful that you're here to worship with us. You are here on the fifth week of our Unite series. We're coming together as the body. And as we sing this first song we've sung before, it's talking about one day when every knee will bow, tongue confess, we will be united as we worship. We get to experience a little bit of that this morning. So let's stand and lift our voices together. One, two, here we go. and kingdoms will bow down every chain and every chain will break as broken hearts declare his praise but who can stop the lord almighty our god is the lion the lion of judah he's roaring with power and fighting our battles, every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains, every knee will bow before the Lamb. Judah. 
This morning, as we continue in our series, we're going to be reading from Acts, the first chapter of Acts, and we see how the Lord is at work, the Spirit is moving, and He empowers us. I feel it in my bones, you're about to move. I feel it in the wind, you're about to ride in. You said that you would pour your spirit out. You said that you would fall on sons and daughters. So come.
his spirit to move in this place. Guys, we can come and have another church service just like we had last week and the week before that. We can sing songs. I, I can play this guitar and just move my fingers and play because I've played for a long time. And hopefully I'll play the right chords. Um, but we need the spirit's power to move in us. Last week, we taught you a song called Awakening. It is a prayer. Um, and as we um, sing it again this morning, uh, I'm thinking about the week. There's been a lot of emotion in this week and what's going on in our nation. Um, we're going to have some time of prayer for that. But as almost a little preemptive strike, if you will, in our own hearts, as we come uh, in this time of kind of turmoil, um, disappointment, um, wherever you are this morning, um, as we sing this song, it, it is really truly a prayer, not only for us, Lord, wake us up to how you'd have us respond as believers, um, but really wake up our nation to, to you.
We're going to sing a song that we've sung many times before. You know it well. And as we, as we sing, um, there's, a, there's a piece in this that reminds us of whatever the Lord promises, He's going to follow through on it. The Bible says that all of His promises are yes and amen. And as we look forward to that, um, we also know that the Lord drives us forward, propels us forward, carries us, us along by His Holy Spirit. There's a part in this song that says we're not going to move without you. And as far as our response this morning, our response to the world, just as He sent out his, the early church, He sends us out. Promise maker, promise keeper, you finish what you began. desert you see us through till the end you see us through till the end here we go the Lord our God is ever faithful never changing through the ages
Lord, we need you to reign in this place. We need you to reign in our nation. Lord, be the God of yesterday, today, and forever. We know that you are. Lord, we need you to reign in this nation and in our hearts. And Lord, as we, we wrestle with um, what you've called us to, how you've called us to stand, what you've called us to speak, Lord, I just pray that we would sense your Holy Spirit just as your Spirit sent out the early church. Lord, send us out to our neighbor, to our, our co-worker, to our family member, to some place we don't even know, Lord. We need your empowerment to move. Lord, help us to be responsive to your heart this morning. In your name, amen. Friends, please be seated. Well, this morning for our Unite Reflections, I want to call up Josh and Jesse. I think they're, oh, they're there. I was like, oh my word, where are they? <laughs> oh, two microphones at once. Thanks. Josh is bringing up a friend. Hi, Crystal. So, Josh and Jesse, I know that I already said your names, but will you um, tell us a little bit about yourselves, maybe something fun um, about yourself? I'm Josh, and I go to Concordia Academy, and I will, am a maintenance technician at Cooperative Plating during the summer. My name is Jesse. I go to Moundsview High School, and I play on the Moundsview tennis team. Awesome. Josh and Jesse both uh, went to Chick. They were our only um, boys on the trip. And uh, so, yes, we have a lot of high school girls. Um, but they were our boys on the trip, and so will you guys share, what was a highlight for you from Chick? My highlight was hanging out with the youth group and growing closer to the youth students and the leaders. I really enjoyed the base camps. We got to talk with some uh, refugees. That was really enlightening. And then um, also we had a concert every night, which was pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, what was a takeaway that you guys both had as you walk back into kind of everyday life and your walk and your journey with God? What was something that you brought back with you from Chick? One of the speakers, Robert Madu, talked about how when we're at something like Chick, we're on a spiritual high, essentially. And when we go back home, we lose that spiritual high and we grow timid and shy about sharing our faith with other people. And he described it as uh, Jesus going from the water to the wilderness. One of my biggest takeaways is more in my personal life. I was, after talking with everybody, I decided uh, I think it would be interesting to try studying abroad in college, maybe somewhere in like Northern Africa. I think that would be a good experience. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you both for sharing. Can we give them a hand for sharing? Great job, guys. Good job, Crystal. Before we take our offering this morning, um, we just want to give a ministry highlight. So you heard a little bit about um, Chick. You've been hearing about Chick um, a lot this year. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit more about other parts of youth ministry. Um, so we have a picture um, to throw up. Uh, this is our youth group. This was taken on Wednesday night. Isn't that a great group? Yes, thank you. They are, they're awesome. You will see that we have, we kind of have a, an inverse. We have a lot of middle school boys and a lot of high school girls. And some, maybe someday that'll even out. Um, but we have an, an amazing group of students. And so I just wanted to share a little bit about what a Wednesday night looks like um, for our youth ministry. Uh, we have a worship team that is predominantly youth. 
Um, it's led by Ben Mayo, um, but they show up at about five o'clock and they um, practice and get ready to lead our youth in worship. We have students that run sound. We have students that run the slides and um, that lead worship singing and playing guitar and playing drums and piano. Um, and we just have a great group of students who are willing to come early um, to practice and to be a part of leading worship on a Wednesday night. And so then we come over here and we eat dinner in the gym at 5.30 and then we head back over and we do an hour of middle school, a half hour of worship all together, and then an hour of high school. And it's a really awesome opportunity. Our goal on Wednesday nights is to just continue to be a safe space for teenagers to learn about Jesus. That's pretty much all of our goal. We just want everyone that walks in the door on a Wednesday night to know that they are loved, that they belong, and to know that Jesus loves them. And so we talk through what it means um, to live our faith out. We talk about Bible stories. We have small groups. I have an incredible um, group of leaders who take time out of their week every week to be a part of our small groups and to walk alongside of our students and to hear um, about their days and hear about their weeks and kind of point them towards, um, towards Jesus in their everyday life. And so it's an amazing opportunity that I get to do youth ministry on a Wednesday night, and I just wanted to kind of take you along of what that looks like. We just started a series called How Do I Know? And we're doing kind of big faith questions of how do I know that God is speaking to me? How do I know the Holy Spirit is real? How do I know um, that Jesus saves? And we're just kind of asking these big questions that they might have about their identity in Christ. And we're walking through those this fall. So if you could join me in praying for our students and praying for our leaders this year, um, students learn and go through a lot in the course of a school year and so they need all of the extra prayer that they can get and our leaders who are walking alongside of them in these times um, also need that prayer so we're going to pray for our youth and our leaders and our offering and so would you join me in prayer gracious god you are the almighty creator we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have as a community of believers to do ministry here in roseville I thank you for our students. I thank you for the ways in which they show up and the ways in which they are eager to be a community and to love you. I thank you for their hearts. I thank you for their leadership. I thank you for their willingness to go deeper at each week. I thank you for laughter and I thank you for silly games and I thank you for the chance that we get to just be together and have community. God, I lift up our leaders. I lift up the, the adults that take the time out of their week to be a part of our youth ministry. I thank you for their passion, and I thank you for their willingness to serve even after a long day of work. I thank you that they are willing to go there with our students, that they're willing to sit in small groups and talk about um, all of the things from silly to deep. And God, I just thank you for the chance that we get to impact students in our community to be a place where they are loved and accepted and they are called um, to follow you. God, as we take this offering this morning, we know that you have been so gracious to us. You have been so faithful and generous, and we pray that you would take these offerings and that you would multiply them in our area. God, that you would take them and you would allow them to become ministry, to fuel the things that we need and the things that we want to see done in our community. I thank you for this fellowship of believers, and I pray that you would continue to bless us and that you would continue to walk alongside us and call us higher. We pray all of these things in your precious name. Amen.
Well, this morning before we hear from the word, I would just like to offer a prayer on behalf of those who have experienced a lot of hurt this week. We've sung songs this morning already, inviting God to awaken us as a church. And we've asked him and know that he promises that from this darkness he'll lead us because he is our promise keeper. The world has been a dark place for many people this last week. We want the church to be a safe place. So please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we know that you are the God of creation. You are the maker of all things. We gather in this place to pray. We do invite you to come now among us and we invite you to come and build this church today. We ask you to come among us because we cannot find the words to say or the will to understand the pain and the deep despair of those who've been hurt for lack of love and care. This is a prayer. This is a plea that you would come and gently heal the wounds of all who have experienced pain, disappointment, anger, and emptiness over all that has gone on in our country this past week. We know that you tell us in your word that we are the church and this is your church. You tell us in your word that we've been united with Christ in baptism and we've been made like you. There's no longer a need for us to distinguish ourselves as Jew or Gentile, as slave or free, male or female, and Lord, not even Democrat or Republican. In your church, we are one in you, and we are called to share with each other's joy and each other's pain. Today, Lord, we join together to pray with humility of hearts for our sisters and our brothers who have been reminded this week of the wounds because of violent abuse, whether that's been physical or mental, emotional or sexual. And we ask you, Lord, of all tenderness and compassion to restore them and give them peace. God, our rock and our strength help us to create an atmosphere here in our church of trust, which allows the unspeakable to be said. May we support each other and be a safe place for each other as we grow in you. Hear our cries as we agonize over the harm done to souls. Breathe wisdom into our prayers and soothe restless hearts with hope. Steady our shaken spirits with faith. Holy Spirit, comforter of hearts, please heal your children's wounds and transform their brokenness. Holy Spirit, comforter of hearts, please heal our country's wounds and transform our brokenness. Grant us wisdom and courage, humility and grace. Guide our feet in peaceful pathways 
so that we may act with justice and mercy and find hope in you. We ask this in the name of God, our loving Father, of Christ Jesus, who is the head of the church, and of the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter of our broken hearts. Amen. Scripture today comes from Acts 1, 1 through 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He then... Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. us to keep understanding that our denomination has missional priorities, what we see as, as really important for the life of the church. And this morning, the mission priority is ready to serve globally. I think it's important for us to realize that the Holy Spirit gives us a mandate to bring the good news of Jesus to all humanity, from our neighbors to the end of the earth. I want you to describe my uh, home life as it relates to this subject when I was growing up. When I was growing up and, and my aunt and uncle who lived next door, we had missionaries that came in and out of our home on a regular basis. It was significant for us to, to in touch with people that our church supported as well as my mom and dad who were extremely generous to give to missions around the world. And so we had people come from, I remember the the Kettlesons and the Andersons from Hawaii, and I remember the, um, I'm trying to think of the names of some of the folks, but there was a whole host of people that came in and out of our home. And I really appreciate it because that gave us a, a global perspective on what God is doing. One of the ones that was significant was a fellow who, Clarence Ecker was his name, who went to the pagan state of Wisconsin to, uh, to uh, minister to people in the most remote areas. And he would come to our home, and he, you know, he didn't dress, he dressed strange, he was a strange sort of fellow. But let me tell you something, he had a deep, deep love for children. And he, you know, he would minister to us in our home, and I <clears throat> would go to, I went to his camp. I didn't really want to go to camp, but I went to camp, and it was at that camp that I came to faith in Christ, so I owe him a great debt. 
But I appreciate meeting him and knowing him because he was so significant in what he did, going to the most outlying areas to people that nobody cared about. And so this was the life of my home. And our church gave extensive amount of money for missionaries around the world. It was rather ironic in my home church really didn't do much in the local community. I thought, now thinking back, that's really strange. We hardly did anything in the community. But boy, do we do extensive in giving to missionaries around the world. I appreciate my personal experience I've had to go to places around the world. I spent 13 days in China with eight people from the covenant. And we had the opportunity to go from the richest places to the poorest of poor and interact with Christians. It was absolutely astounding. What God is doing in the world, and particularly in the country of China, is astounding. All the people that we met there, their desire to serve Christ in sometimes very, very difficult situations. And I got to see firsthand what God is doing in that part of the world. I had a chance to be in Haiti with another group of covenant people and, and to see in Honduras some of the poorest places in our hemisphere. And to see what God is doing through his church and his people, even in these most difficult places, has been very important for me in, in my life. And I want us to understand that God is building his church. The Holy Spirit is building his church. And maybe it isn't as visible as we would like, but this grassroots movement of the church is incredible around the world. And as Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I think that's true as I observe in my experience. I appreciate what we're doing here at church. I appreciate Pastor Colleen and Marty as they think about what do we do as a church to not only reach our neighborhood but extend that net to around the world. Um, we have cast, cast that net wide in our ministry. We support covenant missionaries through the money that we give to the nomination around the world. We have particular missionaries that we support in China and Mexico and Colombia. We have worked through this church, has ministered to the church of Covenant Church in Kenya, and have provided education for a number of pastors in the Kenya church. We've had people of late going on mission trips to Colombia, and we've had others do short-term mission opportunities. We have people in our midst that are, are saying in their life, God, send me. Where do you want me to go? And the Reichenbachs are going back to Liberia into a very, very tough situation as they are salt and light in the world. We have Wendell and Faith Priest, for example, who were missionaries in Taiwan, and they continue, Wendell continues in faith to minister to the Taiwanese. And so it's very important for us to realize that we are here to serve our community, but globally. Turn the Bibles to Acts chapter 1. I really want you to turn to Acts chapter 1. There's Bibles right near you. If you would grab one, and I want to go through this passage because I think it really does define for us as a Christian church, what it means to be ready to serve globally. What you see in Acts chapter 1 is the plan for the good news of Christ to spread and to profoundly touch lives. There's a statement I want you to grab a hold of. We were called to be witnesses, all of us, to the reality of Jesus Christ. I dip back for a minute. When we had missionaries into our home, we had them way up here. You know, they were way up on a pedestal, you know, and they should be respected for what they're doing and their significant ministry. But the bad sign of that, the bad uh, reaction of that is we saw the rest of us is down here. And that's the problem. Because we are all called, all of us, to call to be Christ's witnesses to the reality of Christ where he plants us. If it's here or if it's around the world. 
As you know, the Gospel of Luke was written by Dr. Luke, who was a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. And he accurately describes the life of Christ. And he goes on to produce the book of Acts, to take it not from Christ's life, but to take it further on. And he talks about the apostles taking the lead to carry the work of Jesus forward. Jesus said to them as he was leaving at this time in this passage that he opened their minds to the scriptures. And he told them the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, which he did, to experience, so people could experience repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And we preach that message and we give that message in the name of Christ to all the nations. So folks, we are the witnesses today who witness to the reality of Christ, his death, the repentance and forgiveness that flows from his death and the life-changing power that flows from his resurrection. We are his witnesses. And it's important, he says, he clothes them with power on high. And I want you to pay attention to that as we go through the passage, the power that is on high. Jesus gives instructions then to his apostles to follow, but he says they were given through the Holy Spirit. He was the witness. And he talks about proofs of his death and his resurrection. There's more proofs given in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 on the resurrection. First, he appeared to Peter. It's very important he appeared, appeared to Peter because he needed to restore Peter, who denied him at the moments of pressure. So he goes and restores Peter, and Peter becomes the pinnacle, one of the pinnacles of the church. He also appeared to the Twelve on a number of situations. He appeared more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, Paul said, most still living when the historical account was written. He then appeared, Jesus, to James, most likely James, who was his brother. James, who became the pillar of the mother church in Jerusalem. And James was the one down the road that gave his life because he believed in the authenticity of his brother, half-brother Jesus. He also then, Paul says, appeared to me in a special on the road to Damascus. He encouraged them to wait, wait together until the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was going to come, promised in the Old Testament in the book of Joel. And he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. He spoke to them about the kingdom of heaven, which is referred to in Matthew's gospel. Why does Matthew use the kingdom of heaven and all the others use the kingdom of God? It's very simply because Matthew was referring to a Jewish audience. He's writing to a Jewish audience. And the Jewish audience never proclaimed the sacred name of God. They would never say that. And so instead of God, he says the kingdom of heaven. It's the same kingdom. It's important for us to realize from this passage, I think he wants us to understand that the primary focus in our lives as people who are witnesses of Christ is the kingdom of God. There are other kingdoms, but the, all the other kingdoms are secondary to us because our primary task is to focus in on what Christ is doing through his redemptive, powerful influence through his people in the world. The transformation comes primarily through the gospel not through political might or power, but through the power of the gospel and the Holy Spirit. And so, folks, we need to focus in on this kingdom that he says is the one that will endure forever. Jesus asked before he left, or the disciples asked Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom? When are you going to restore your kingdom? It's always on their minds. When are you going to come and give us that promised kingdom for Israel? And he says, he leaves that, Jesus says to God, to determine when that occurs. 
but you will receive power, power from the Holy Spirit, and you will be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. And that book itself describes that progression that took place. Jerusalem surrounding Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world. The final thing he said to them that he will return someday. And the greatest event that we are waiting for in the God's redemptive plan is the return of his son into this world. But I want to zero in for just a moment here on Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Our mission. Folks, we're called to be witnesses. Nobody saves anybody. We don't save anybody. The Holy Spirit does. We're just witnesses to the reality of Christ. Witness is very close, by the way, in, in the New Testament to the word martyr. But really, it's one who testifies to the truth of what they have seen and heard and they know about Christ, dealing primarily with his death and his resurrection. And we are the same. We carry on the witness of Jesus Christ into our world at our time. And every one of us are individually called to be that witness. Jerusalem and Judea was the home. It was the home of the mother church in Jerusalem. This was no cross-cultural experience for these folks because they were quite familiar with Jewish culture. They were quite familiar with the culture that was imposed on them, the Greco-Roman culture. And so when they, went, when they would minister in these areas, it was like home. And for us, when we think about our Jerusalem and Judea, we think about our families. We think about ministering to our hometown, our surrounding county, our city, our familiar surroundings. And sometimes the familiar surroundings are more difficult to be a witness than the non-familiar. And so how do we witness to our Jerusalem, our Judea? We just finished a series not too long on neighboring, where we in our place, where we are planted, we witness to the love of Christ. We engage in community. I encourage you, every one of us, should engage in some way in community. What I want you to understand is that we do not have what I would call a busy church. It's not our intention to have all kinds of activities in the church where we can keep everybody busy, busy doing church stuff. That's not our intention. That's not our goal. What we want to do is strategically meet so we can build community with one another. We can be taught. We can come to understand what we need to know to function in life. And the rest of the time is get out there with our families. Get out there in the community. Every one of us ought to have some place, some toehold in the community. Either a service organization, Rotary I was involved in for a number of years, some ministry or efforts of compassion, or take on a family that you're going to piggyback with to help a family or a refugee family. You see, our Jerusalem and Judea is in our backyard, and we're called to be his witnesses there. Now, Samaria, the next one, is a different story. The history of the Samaritans is hostility towards the Jewish people. In early days when the Samaritans were first founded, they were half Jew and half Assyrian when the Assyrians conquered the Israelites. And they were seen by the Jewish people as not pure, and therefore they were despised. During the period of the second exodus where they came back from Babylon to Israel, it was the Samaritans who resisted everything that the Jews were going to do to build the temple. When it came to Jesus' day, they were despised and they would be avoided at all costs. You would never travel through Samaritan territory. 
That's why Jesus, in his encounter with the Samaritan woman, is so unbelievably powerful. You see, there are a category of people. We can call them Samaritan people. Who might they be? In the ancient world, you might Samaritan-type people were the tax gatherers, the Roman sympathizers, the Gentiles, the sinners or the Jews that didn't practice the faith, broken people, hurting people, outcasts, people that were abused, lonely, and I'm sure there were many that were mentally ill. These are the ones that they wanted to avoid. Anyone who was not within the dominant Jewish culture, they wanted to avoid. But these are often the ones, folks, that are open and are favorable to the good news. Philip went to Samaria. Isn't it interesting how the Holy Spirit, first before he went there, had an Ethiopian official who was traveling through on a chariot, and God brought Philip right to him. And he hops up in the chariot, and he's reading Isaiah 53. And he says, I don't know what this means. And Philip preaches Christ from Isaiah 53, and he becomes a believer and goes back to Ethiopia to share Christ. Philip goes on by the Spirit to Samaria. Again, the territory you don't go. And in Samaria, he had this most unbelievable people turning to faith in Christ as, a, as he witnessed. How do we witness to our Samaria? Those we choose to alienate ourselves from or dislike. They may be people in proximity close to us. Who are the Samaritans in your life that God might call you by his spirit to say, wait a minute, folks. In God's kingdom, these are people that are deeply loved. If you're going to have minister to people that are often, we want a distance. There's some things you need to do. First of all, you need to see people through the eyes of Christ. You need to see people as God sees people. He sees people made in the image of God with enormous value and worth. He sees the potential of people being recreated in the image of Christ. You have to be willing, secondly, to enter into the messy world. Go outside our comfort zone. Do not avoid the Samaritans, but engage them. Because we're called to be a witness. And you need then to focus on faithfulness, not success. Because far too often when we minister to people that we want to distance ourselves from are the very people we need to engage. And sometimes there's not success. But that's God's business. You see, in the book of Acts, the book, the good news of Christ spread through the extensive Roman Empire. How can we be witnesses to the remote parts of the earth? By informing, be informed what God is doing in the world. There's publications, there's all kinds of publications that tell us what God is doing through his kingdom. And you can be so encouraged to see in parts of the world, we see people in mass coming to Christ. You might go on a mission trip. You might choose to be a career missionary. A wonderful call. My brother was a carpenter, exceptional trim carpenter in his business. At age 53, after he took 18 trips of missionary, or he took people from his church down to Honduras, at age 53, he took all his tools, gave them to his son, and he went down as a missionary at age 53. He's 63 now. He's going to die with his boots on in Honduras. Maybe God will call you to be a missionary to some place in the world. Jesus gave what is calling us. You might also want to pray. We have a covenant prayer book of missionaries. Support and give. That's something we can do. But folks, I want to say this, that the game changer, 
as we are called to be witnesses. That's our part of the equation. But in every spiritual endeavor, it's what God does that's more important than what we do. And the game changer in this passage mentioned over and over is the Holy Spirit all throughout this short passage. The story is told. I can find it. The Kari language of Ecuador, Africa was uh, difficult for translators to translate in the New Testament, especially when it comes to the paraclete, which is the Holy Spirit. One day the translator saw a group of porters, as they were called, going off into the bush carrying bundles on their heads. They noticed one didn't carry anything. They assumed, of course, that he was the boss who was present to make sure the others did their work. However, they discovered this was not the boss. Rather, he was present so that should anyone fall over with exhaustion, this man would pick up the man's load and carry it for him. This porter was known in the language as the one who falls down beside us. And that's how they translated the meaning of the Holy Spirit. Folks, the Holy Spirit is the one, the one who is so significant because he falls down beside you and me when we need him. In this passage, he gives instructions. In this passage, he's the one that cleanses us, fits us for service, offers us forgiveness. He's the one who empowers our witness so that lives can be transformed. Our global ministry, our global reach, we have to look at the world because God loves this world. But he calls every one of us to be his witness. Again, always in the place he plants us, in the world around us for Christ. Amen. We got a song, Chance? Come on up, you special musicians here. And you want the rest to stand? That would be great, brother. <laughs> I've got the pulpit here. I still got the power. Stand. Everybody stand. Now I step oh, away goodness. from it. I don't have anybody. <laughs> As we as we close, you've heard um, you've heard Pastor Mark share about the one who falls down, the one who empowers us, um, calls us to to share. Um, the very next chapter of Acts is the day of Pentecost, and, and it's interesting. The, the believers are all together, coming to worship, coming to do their thing. They had one thing in mind, but then the Spirit shows up, and things are never the same. And this song that we've sung so many times, "Spirit of Living God," I love it. It says, when you come in the room, you can do what only you can do. You change what we seek. And that's, that's how it is. The Spirit comes, and he empowers us. He changes us. He gives us a new vision. Sarah's going to lead us in this song.
great words for us to end on this morning. Uh, just a few announcements, friends, as you go. It's very fitting that as we talk about the church and our impact, that this morning in our first service, 
we welcomed a whole bunch of new members into our worship. So there's a picture of them up on the screen, and we had a time of prayer over them. Yeah, you can, you can give that a clap. Um, we're, just be, we're just thrilled to welcome them into our spiritual family. And I, I thought it was also great that Mark said that w when we um, welcome people into membership, it doesn't mean like, oh, now you belong, right? We belong as a part of the body of Christ when we show up. Um, but membership is about discerning God's voice and being responsive to it in the context of the spiritual family. And so we're so grateful for those people that are um, joining this spiritual family, Roseville Covenant. Um, we also want to let you know that Jackie and Jeremy Peeper had their baby. <laughs> so we promise we won't all bombard you after the service, you guys. But we're um, so excited to be able to welcome little Violet into um, Roseville Covenant and into her family with big sister Evelyn. So uh, you can give them a high five. Way to go as you leave this morning. Um, also, there's classes in between the services. So if um, any of you are feeling like, man, I would love to just um, get into community and go a little bit deeper in my relationship with God, we want to invite you into that time. And then finally, Heidi, our um, children's director, is looking for a few more people on Wednesday night and Sunday morning. If you're interested in volunteering with our kids, one of our volunteers was leaving Wednesday night, and he said, I always leave with a good story, and I always sleep better on Wednesday nights. <laughs> so <laughs> amen for all of the work our volunteers put in. And it's um, it's, it's work, but it's good work as we impact um, little lives for the kingdom of God. So let her know if you're interested in getting involved. I just want to uh, tell you as you leave, um, I remember John Stott, who is a pastor and theologian. Um, he used to say, we need to be global Christians with a global vision because we have a global God. And this morning, as you leave, um, it's recognizing that we serve globally, not as uh, a side job, not as a side gig when we have extra time or extra resources, but we serve globally because it's a part of our identity as the church. So go this morning knowing that you have a big God. Amen. <laughs>